time now for the morning worship service from the South Main Street Baptist Church of Jamestown, brought to you by the remote facilities of WCLC. This broadcast is sponsored by the South Main Street Baptist Church of Jamestown and is conducted by the pastor, Tommy Duncan. of you and welcome to our worship service here at South Main Street Baptist Church. We're delighted to see you here today. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here, seeing as we're all recipients of God's grace. We have nothing to glory of save Christ and Him crucified. Salvation truly is of the Lord. So we're grateful that the Lord has uh, given us this opportunity and privilege and blessed us with this privilege to be here today to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We do appreciate also those that are listening by means of radio today. We're grateful that you are tuned our way and our prayer is that the service will be a blessing to each of you. That'd be wonderful. Uh, if we all can be edified and built up in the most holy faith. Sure. If Christ becomes more precious to us as a result of this service today. Yeah. As we worship Him, may our hearts be humbled. May there be a great deal of appreciation and gratitude expressed in our heart to Him as to His praise, honor, and His glory. Well, we'll continue our song service at this time. If you'll take a book in hand, please, and turn to number five. Number five, He Hideth My Soul.
Well, what wonderful assurance we have in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, he has promised, hasn't he? There are many wonderful and precious promises in the Word of God. And God, who cannot lie, will fulfill all his promises to you as a believer in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So one of the great and wonderful assurances that we have that encourages us as believers is that God is faithful. Mm -hmm. yeah. God is faithful. What he has promised, that will he do. For next selection, number 62. 62 at the cross. Stand, please. Also, if our ushers will come forward, we'll receive our morning's offering. For the Joy Cravens, if you would, please uh, come at this time to lead us in prayer. And, of course, continue to be much in prayer for the remainder of the service. And for Brother Tommy, as he will soon be preaching the gospel. Brother Joy. Heavenly Father, we're come before you and measuring our heart and our person Lord we know we don't have this ability within ourselves. so Father we're, we, we're very thankful Lord that you've made provision in Christ our daysman, our mediator to be able to give our prayer and supplication you've, great, you've took great thought of your people your children and father we're very grateful of that you did not leave us on our own it's very humbling to think that we can actually come into the throne room yes. okay. 
and have our supplications heard and have our needs met. Father, there are those that are going through sickness and troubles and trials in life. You know what's going on in each family here. And Lord, the, the people that are listening, you know what's going on in everyone's life. And that's, that's wonderful to know that nothing is hid from your eyes. And yet you still hear us. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Father, we're so grateful for your grace and your mercy that you have shown us in Christ. Thank you for revealing your Son to us. Causing us, Father, to those that were astray because, Father, you know as well as I do that if we were left our own devices, we would have kept running. But your love and your arresting power and your spirit drew us to this wonderful Savior. Yes, Lord. And Lord, this morning we just pray that you would lay us, lay us at his feet one more time and behold him. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. Help us to behold Him this morning. Yes, please, Lord. Help us to behold Him in our walk of life. Help us to look to Him because, Lord, I know I struggle. And I know Your people are needy. And I know You're very benevolent. And we're so grateful for that. We're grateful for Your grace and Your mercy that You show us every, every single day. We pray this morning, Father, that you would open our hearts and our, our minds and not just reveal new truth, but reveal truth over and over and over again. Yes, Lord. And help us to glory in it. Cause us to have a mindset to glory in this truth this morning. Lord, those people that are lost within the, the sound of the gospel and your will is to save them, I pray that you would arrest them this morning by your Spirit, yes. and you would draw them to Christ. Yes. You would show them His perfectness, how He reconciled us unto you, how He was a substitute. You would show those wonderful truths to that soul, then cause them to see themselves in your eyes. Cause them to see sin. As you have shown it to us. And Lord we're humbled. We're humbled as sinful as we are. Yet you are our father. And you love us. We're humbled by that. We pray this morning that you'd give us a spirit of worship. Yes, please. You would be with brother Tommy as he stands. And give him boldness. Yes. Bring back to memory those things that you've taught him. Because, Father, we don't have anything of ourselves. We have things that you've taught us. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful that you're a teacher to yes. your people. Yes. So, Father, we pray that you'd give him boldness. And give him comfort to stand here and speak to your people. We pray that you'd be with the offering, maybe for the furtherment of the gospel and the help of those that are in need in this community and whoever else might need it. Help us to be a light of Christ and the love that He has shown us. Help us to be a, a light of grace and mercy that You've shown us in Him. Father, we love You. But it's not because we were born with it, but it's because we were rebirthed. We were born again into it by Your hand. You gave us life and we're so grateful for it. We praise you and we thank you and we ask all these things in Christ our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
As always, we are grateful for your giving to the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it is his work in which we are involved for his glory, his honor, and his praise. And he's pleased to bless it because he's God. And so we're grateful. May he continue to bless according to his own will and purpose. Do remember our worship service this evening at 6 o'clock. Men meet for prayer at 15 before the hour of 6. And on Wednesday evening at 7, we have our Bible study. And uh, come and be with us in any of those services. You're certainly welcome if you'd like Indeed. to be a part of that. For final selection, uh, turn to number 74 in the hymnal, if you will, please. Number 74 at Calvary. blessed honor and a privilege, a great blessing indeed, to welcome you again to the service of our Lord this morning, and has been expressed, we are indeed thankful to uh, our gracious God for this opportunity, we're also uh, very grateful for your presence here today, and uh, for the opportunity to meet together as uh, the body of Christ, and worship uh, our blessed Lord, so good morning, good to see you. And uh, good to uh, be in your fellowship and your company. And again, to uh, have this high honor of uh, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. So good to be here and good to have you here. I've asked John and Brenda to sing for us this morning, so uh, no further ado. Uh, John and Brenda, come if you would, please. Thank you, Brother Tommy. The title of this song is Dripping from the Cross. Our prayer is that it will be a an inspiration to those of you that are here and those that are listening. Uh, this is, I think, the favorite song of Sister Geneva Beatty. And so, Miss Geneva, we'd like to send this song out especially to you and to to all that I hope that it will be a encouragement and uh, something that will be of help to all that hear it today. Dripping from the Cross. Mm -hmm. 
John and Brenda. My, what a powerful song that is, is it not? Filled with uh, great truth and blessing, dripping from the cross. John and Brenda, thank you very much. Uh, very blessed indeed, and thank you for sharing it with us. And certainly is a very blessed song of uh, exaltation and and uh, honor to uh, to our blessed Lord and the great price that has been paid for our redemption through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, thanks again. If you have your Bible with you this morning, please turn with me, if you will, to uh, the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I want to read a few verses from the latter portion of chapter 3 of that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14 through the remainder of... Uh, that chapter there. Very familiar uh, passage of Scripture here. Uh, I spoke and used part of this uh, Scripture, the earlier part of it, in uh, chapter 3, in relation to uh, the message last Sunday as uh, Paul was writing to Timothy to uh, warn him of uh, the perilous times that would come and pernicious ways of men that would follow those uh, those times. And here he gives not only Timothy but ourselves some very uh, worthwhile instruction regarding a very important, very important, very blessed matter in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14 beginning. You found it. He tells Timothy and ourselves as well. He says, Continue thou in the things which you have heard and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So he talks about steadfastness here. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect Truly furnished. It means completely done. That word truly there means completely done or filled up. And he's talking about the, uh, uh, the authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures here is able to do that, that the man of God may be truly 
furnished, completely done, filled up unto all good works. I want to use this passage of Scripture this morning for a base text to uh, share with you some thoughts regarding the authority and the sufficiency of the Scripture. The authority and the sufficiency of the Scripture. Using primarily here verse 16 uh, and 17 for that, for that text. All messages from the Scriptures are very important and needful and very timely because as they're given of God they feel that purpose they they feel that reason there but I think especially in regard to what we're talking about this morning of the authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures I think that's a very timely subject don't you very timely indeed of the sufficiency and the authority of the scriptures because it seems like from every front today, the scriptures are attacked, aren't they? The word of God is attacked on many fronts. The authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures is called into question from various, various angles. So I think it's very important that we look at this matter of the sufficiency as well as the authority of the scriptures. So in regard to that thought and in light of that thought, I think this is a very important question here that we, that we must ask ourselves. And that question is this. Is the word of God alone totally sufficient for the sinner's salvation? Is it totally sufficient for the sinner's salvation? Not only totally sufficient for the sinner's salvation, but is this word of God sufficient for our growth in grace as a child of God? Is it sufficient for direction in my life and your life as a child of God? And is this scripture, the word of God, is it the, the foundation, if you will, of the fulfilling of God's will and purpose in the life of his people? And I think we're in unison today and in agreement today that we'd say yes, that it is, isn't it? Because it certainly is sufficient in all of those areas there. So that's a pertinent question, I think. And it's a, it's a major issue. It's a major issue of the sufficiency and the authority of the Scriptures. In other words, can I or can you as a Christian this morning, can we look to this Word of God? And can we trust this Word of God to fulfill our every need spiritually as a child of God? And again... The answer to that, of course, we would all agree is this. Yes, we can. We can trust this. We can believe this. We can lean upon this to fulfill our every spiritual need as a child of God. But while we today in this congregation, I'm sure, would agree to that, there's many today that would call that in question, wouldn't they? Because they do. They call it in question all of the time, the sufficiency and the authority of the Scriptures, the Word of God. So really, this subject that we're talking about this morning, it's been a subject of debate and discussion throughout the ages, hasn't it? Right. Throughout, throughout the ages of the authority and the sufficiency of the Word of God. So in light of what we're talking about of this sufficiency and authority of God's Word, let, let, me, let me give a little background, if you will, uh, regarding this this word and the sufficiency of it and also how it's been questioned as well and how it's been attacked as well. Now to look at the where this all began, we have to go back to Genesis 3, don't we? Mm -hmm. To look at the authority of the word of God especially, we have to go back to Genesis 3 in the garden there where Eve is tempted by the great tempter of Satan there and really what he tempted her with was the authority of the Scriptures. I mean, Eve, can you really trust or can you really believe what God has told you that you cannot eat of this tree, specific tree that he's told you there? Does he have the authority to tell you that? Do you think that you really will die if you eat of that? They didn't even know what death was, did they? 
They didn't know what death was because there was no death at that time. So what Satan did was tempt Eve in the authority of the scriptures, and we know the outcome of that, that Adam and Eve failed and transgressed there. But over time, and we've seen this in history, and we're seeing it today as well, over time, not only the authority of the Scripture has been called into question, but the sufficiency of Scripture has been called into question as well. Is this Scripture able? Is it fitting? Is it capable of addressing those issues that I talked about just a moment ago? Well, we see again, all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, through the early church age and all through the course of, of Christianity, we see that really those, those issues have been brought to the forefront, haven't they? About the authority of the scriptures and the sufficiency of the scriptures. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, it's an age-old question, but it does seem as though that the sufficiency of the scriptures has really uh, uh, become a focal point, if you will. And it's a focal point in our day and time. But as I said, to give a little background of how, how we got to where we are right now, starting with Genesis and all through the Old Testament and New Testament as well, the sub subject of the sufficiency of the scriptures goes back really to a very focal point back in the 16th century, didn't it? There was a focal point in the 16th century there that this issue of the sufficiency and the authority of the scriptures that was really brought to the forefront, if you will. I mean, it was really brought to light. Now, there were several things that contributed to that, but one in particular was the uh, belief and the writing and the stance of an individual that was called Martin Luther. Martin Luther at that time, he was a, he was a German uh, theologian, he was a German priest, he was a German monk at that particular time. And God moved upon this man of Martin Luther and he prepared a document that was called 95 Theses. And in these, this Theses, Martin Luther brought several things to light in regard to the church at that time, as I said, he was a, a German priest, a monk, and a theologian in the uh, Roman Catholic Church. But in this thesis, Martin Luther marked a noted break from the Roman Catholic Church. Now, that break encompassed many things in this thesis that he wrote uh, of church creed and the church doctrine and traditions and things of that nature. But one thing in particular that it noted was this, the authority of the Scriptures, the sufficiency of the Scriptures as well. Now, the church certainly held to certain aspects of the Scriptures, but they also did this. They incorporated traditions and certain church creeds into the church authority. And, and do we not see that today? Do we not see that today, that church creeds... And church authority is brought into play as having a dominant effect upon the churches and, and really the basis of the scriptures. Well, this was so important to Martin Luther and pressed upon him. Martin Luther said this. He wrote this regarding uh, the, uh, the authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures. He said, My conscience is captive to the word of God. Here I stand and I can do no other. Should that not be our stance today? Should that not be our stance today? He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Here I stand and I can do no other. You see, again, at this particular time, the church held that the scriptures alone was not sufficient for church doctrine. It included church traditions. It included church authority. Again, is that not a practice that we see very prevalent today? Sure. Instead of the authority alone of the scriptures, 
Matter of fact, we see today in religious tradition and church creeds and authority sometimes is held in the same esteem as the Word of God, and sometimes it seems like it's even elevated above the Word of God, doesn't it? So out of this movement and this writing, not only of Martin Luther, but of others as, uh, as well, uh, there was John Calvin and a lot of others as well, but out of this movement back in the 16th century, we came to know as what we call today the Reformation. It was called the Reformation period, if you will, or this time. And a lot of folks uh, traditionally call it various things. We just really don't hear a whole lot of reference to the Reformation period spoken of today. Most of the time, folks call it, they, they label it Calvinism. Uh, Calvinism. But let me tell you something, folks. Neither Martin Luther nor John Calvin nor any other of the reformers of this period that we're talking about here, this was not the brainchild of any of those. What took place during that time was the awakening of God, is what it was. That God was bringing to light the sufficiency and the authority of this blessed word that he's placed before us this morning here. So this was a time when the Holy Scriptures and the authority and the sufficiency of those Scriptures was brought to the surface, wasn't it? I mean, it was very prevalent. It was brought to the forefront at this particular time here. Matter of fact, the emphasis was placed upon that and other things as well. The message of salvation at that time was based upon grace alone and Christ alone through faith alone by the Scriptures alone and to the glory of God alone. That became the battering ram, if you will, of the church, the true church, at that time there, of those uh, of that uh, salvation by grace alone and Christ alone, through faith alone, and the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. That was the gospel battering ram. What a blessed ram that is to, to use as a battering ram, is it not? Should not that be our battering ram today regarding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Should that not be our battering ram today concerning this precious word of God that we too, that our conscience and our heart and our spirit and our mind and our soul is captivated by the word of God? Amen. Not by traditions, not by creeds, not by ordinances, not by anything of ourself and, and the authority of the church, but the authority of the word of God. Because, folks, here is the final authority. Here is the final authority in the Word of God. So Paul is telling young Timothy here. He summarizes, really, this whole matter here of the sufficiency of the Scriptures and the authority of the Scriptures in verse 16. He summarizes it in these terms. Notice he uses four words there. He talks about doctrine. He talks about reproof. He talks about correction. And he talks about instruction. Now when you take those four words there that Paul is using here, you'll find everything necessary for the salvation of the sinner. You'll find everything necessary there for our growth in grace. You'll find everything necessary there for our direction in life. We'll find everything necessary there for the fulfilling of God's purpose in our life. Found where? Found in the Scriptures found in the Word of God. So that's what Paul was telling young Timothy here. He said, Timothy, here's where it's found. Here's where it's found. Here's the authority. Here's the sufficiency of all that you need to instruct you and grow you as a Christian, not only convert you and save you, but to grow you and to mature you is found in, in the Word of God. The Scriptures, the Scriptures alone. And beloved, let me tell you, I'm of the same opinion. These scriptures are sufficient, aren't you? This is the authority. And these scriptures are sufficient for all that we need for our spiritual growth, nourishment, maturity, and also for the salvation of sinners. Now you may say, well, Brother Tommy, are there not other good resources out there? There certainly are. There's a lot of good resources that can help us that can instruct us and help us to grow and mature. But all of those resources does this. They, they support the gospel. They don't supplant the gospel. That's right. They don't supplant the gospel. They don't take the place of the gospel, but they support the gospel. 
And there's a lot of good resources out there, and, and I use uh, a lot of those, and I'm sure that a lot of you do as well, that we use those resources that are available that are in agreement with the Word of God. But with this understanding, none of those, none of those, no matter how high we regard those, none of those surplants the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They support the gospel. And we use them in that sense and in that term. So Paul is telling Timothy here, he's saying in verse 15, he's saying, Timothy, these scriptures here, this word of God, it is sufficient to make you wise unto salvation. And then he goes ahead in verse 16 here and talks about the scope of that salvation. Not just our conversion, not just being regenerated and born again, but he's talking about these scriptures are sufficient to make you wise in all aspects of salvation. In every facet of salvation, these scriptures are sufficient for that teaching there. Notice here he says also in verse 16, he said, these scriptures are profitable. Profitable. That means that they're valuable. And they are, aren't they? Profitable also means this. There's great reward in these scriptures. Profitable, great value, and great reward in these, in these scriptures. He says, first of all, there's great profit, great value, and great reward here for doctrine. For doctrine. And then you could take and make that a message within itself there as far as doctrine. But they're sufficient and of great value and reward for in doctrine for this particular illustration here in other words he's saying Timothy this gospel the, these scriptures are sufficient to establish a foundation of belief on truth yes. establish a foundation of belief on truth doctrine a system of belief within a body of principles is what doctrine is and he's saying here the scriptures are profitable for doctrine sufficient to establish a foundation of belief based on truth. Then he says here these scriptures are also profitable, he says, for reproof. For reproof. And first of all, reproof means to lay blame with, and that's what the scriptures do. They, blame, they lay blame with us for our sin and everything. But reproof also is a, uh, this, this regard here. The scriptures are sufficient for reproof in order to dispel everything that is not true. To dispel that which is contrary to the scriptures. So we use the scriptures to dispel that which is untrue, don't we? <coughs> Prove it by the scriptures. So he says it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. Then he said it's profitable for correction. That's to ourself as a believer in Christ correction that's an uh, as he corrects us and chastises us and in other words to summarize that correction means this he uses the scriptures to keep us on track yes. that's what he does mm -hmm. he uses the scriptures to keep us on the right track because it's awful easily for ourselves to get off track isn't it mm -hmm. but he says in these scriptures you'll find that which is sufficient and has the authority to keep you on track as a Christian, as a child of God. And then he also says it's instruction. Instruction in righteousness there. It's a guide, if you will. It's our instructor, this word of God is. In other words, it instructs us in the experience of our Christian life, is what this scripture does. It instructs us in our experience of Christian life life here then he says in verse 17 to this end here in other words he's saying you've got everything that you need here in uh, this uh, profitable word he says in verse 17 that the man of God may be perfect that means mature not perfect without sin because none of us are but that we might be perfect truly furnished that word truly means to make complete so he makes us complete through this scripture through the word of God. So he says, make us perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. In other words, he's saying there, in this word, Timothy, 
there is sufficiency there to thoroughly equip you for every good work of God. And there certainly is, isn't there? In this scripture, in the word of God, there is a sufficiency there to thoroughly equip us for the work of God of which he's chosen us to and which he has called us unto. Beloved, in the authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures, the doctrine of the scripture alone must be our basis for all of our religious belief. The scriptures alone. The scriptures alone must be the basis of all the foundation of all of our ultimate religious belief and authority there. It's got to be based on that. It's got to be founded upon that. Not traditions, not creeds, not theology, not idealism of man conjectured up. But Paul is telling Timothy here, Timothy, the scriptures alone. Here's where you find that authority. Here's where you find that sufficiency in the scriptures alone. Beloved, that blessed book that you hold this morning, that you followed my reading of this morning, that that blessed book of really of 66 books, because that's what it is. The Bible is, it, it, we call it a book, but it's actually 66 books, isn't it? Because there are 66 books here before us today that is God's final authority. There's none other. There's no substitute. There's no options out there. He's saying this is God's final authority here. And being His final authority, they are abundantly sufficient for all things necessary for salvation, for faith, and for life of ourselves as a child of God. So he's saying here, Timothy, stick with the Scriptures. And I tell myself, and I tell you as a church, as a congregation, stick with the Scriptures. Stick with the Word of God. Because this is the authority. Not my opinion. Not my opinion. Let me say this. I said this Sunday night in the message Sunday night. I appreciate the confidence that you have in me to preach the gospel to you. I dearly appreciate that. But don't just take my word for what I tell you. Just Don't just take my word. Take what I tell you and compare it to this word here. To the word of God. To the scriptures. Because here's the final authority. Not what I or some man or some minister or some theologian thinks about it. But here's the final authority in the Word of God. Yes, have confidence in who you're listening to. But what you hear, test it to the Word of God. And let me tell you, I don't mind at all. Matter of fact, I encourage you to test what I tell you and these other brethren as well. I'm sure that they t- these other ministers tell you the same thing. Test it to the Word of God. Amen. Test it to these scriptures here. Because, again, this has to be the basis and the foundation of our belief in the Word of God. Thinking about the the sufficiency and the authority of the Scriptures, there's many Scriptures that testify to that, but one in particular, and different writers, three of the Gospels make mention of this, but in Matthew chapter 4, Here is one of the greatest testimonies to the authority and the sufficiency of the Scriptures and the Word of God. I spoke on this last Sunday night, and it's the occasion here in Matthew chapter 4 where Christ has been up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and He comes down and He's tempted of the uh, the tempter there. Talked about temptation. Temptation, sure to come. How are we going to deal with it then? But here in the words of Christ Himself, is the greatest testimony to the authority and the sufficiency of the Word of God. And it's the words of Christ when He was tempted these three times and Christ resorted or Christ defended uh, Himself to this great tempter here in these words here. He said, it's written. It is written. It's in the Word of God because this Word is the authority. And this Word is sufficient here. 
Christ didn't appeal to the Jewish traditions. He didn't appeal to the tradition of Israel and the traditions of his people. He didn't even, he didn't even resort to his own divine being, if you will, in facing this tempter here and resisting the temptations of Satan. He did it this way. He said, Satan, it's written. It's in the Word of God. And here we have the greatest testimony and the greatest uh, declaration of the authority and the sufficiency of the Scripture here in the Word of God, in the words of Christ Himself. He said, it is, it is written. Hebrews chapter 1, the writer there tells us how God spoke in the times past through various and sundry ways, through different ones. But he said this in verse 2. He said, in these last days he's spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Beloved, let me tell you, if anybody anywhere wants to hear from God, they're going to hear through this word here. Amen. They'll hear through this word, the word of God. Should that not tell us something about the authority and the sufficiency of the scriptures? He's spoken to us through his son. That should tell us. If he's spoken to us through his son, it means that there's no other options out there. There's no other ways. He's spoken to us again through, through his word. That should not only tell me something, that should tell every religious body in the world today something, that the way God speaks to us is through his word. I know it's the Holy Spirit that makes it real to us, but it is through his word that he makes himself known to us. Now, if I confess the authority of these scriptures and the sufficiency of these scriptures, then what that does is this. It lays a great charge upon me to only proclaim what's in these scriptures. If I say that I believe this scripture to be the word of God, then there's a great charge upon me to proclaim only what's in these scriptures. I don't have another option. I don't have anything else that I can resort to. Again, not traditions of men, church beliefs, church creeds, church ordinances, theology and idealism of men conjunctured up, and all of those things. And that's what Paul is, is warning Timothy against here in chapter 4 as he goes on and he's writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, there's a time that you'll be confronted with all of these things. When the authority and the sufficiency of the scripture will be called into question. And not only called into question, but it'll be distorted, it'll be twisted, it'll be perverted, and all of those things. And he's saying, do this. Stand fast on the scriptures. Amen. Stand fast on the scriptures. He says here in chapter 4, he says, There'll be a time when many will prefer teachers to suit their own whims and fancies. He said there'll be a time when ministers will... In instruct their congregations in myths and fallacies and sentimental stories rather than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said this, Timothy, your charge is this, preach the gospel. Stick with the scriptures. This scripture is the authority of God and it is abundantly, abundantly sufficient. And beloved, that's my charge today in ministering unto you but that's also your charge today as a child of God to stick with the scriptures. To stick with the scriptures. Beloved, again, this book, the word of God, is our only perfect standard of spiritual, spiritual truth. Yes. The word of God. Now, Paul talked about that time and time again, and I don't have time this morning to go into a lot of the things that he laid out regarding to, to this. But I think probably, and I alluded to this somewhat last Sunday night as well, one problem today, I think, among folks is that many look at the Scriptures and say, yeah, I, I agree with you that they are the final authority. And I agree that the scriptures are sufficient for my need. But the problem lies a lot of times 
that folks don't give the time, the effort, and the diligence to search out the content of the Bible. You've been listening to the morning worship service from the South Main Street Baptist Church of Jamestown, conducted by the pastor, Tommy Duncan. And thanks for listening to the very best in Southern Gospel music. New Life 105.1, WCLC, Jamestown. All right, Tom, take down this number. Uh, sorry, I can't. I'm driving. Can you call back and leave it on my voicemail? When driving, make safety your most important call. This message brought to you by the wireless industry and this radio station. It's time now for the New Life 105 News at Noon. This news is brought to you as a service of the Union Bank, serving Jamestown and Fitchers County for over a century. The time is now 12 noon.